Through our many engagements daily, we support airmen in emergency financial distress, we help their families achieve their educational goals, and we improve quality of life through our proactive community programs. This is Airmen Helping Airmen, a podcast brought to you by the Air Force Aid Society and our generous donors who support airmen and their families. Each episode, we will strive to bring a smile, spark an idea, or perhaps even having you shed a tear. We will share airmen and their family stories in their voice and show you how the Airmen Helping Airmen philosophy still drives our mission today. But why is that important? Because none of it's possible without you. For every $1 donated to the Air Force Aid Society, they provide three towards emergency help, college scholarships, and grants. With these funds, the Air Force Aid Society was able to help over 37,000 airmen and their families in 2019 alone. Of these funds, 93% supported the total force, including active duty, eligible Air National Guard, and Air Force Reserve. 7% supported Air Force retired and widowed persons. The impact of the Air Force Aid Society is vast. In 2018, 21.4 million in total support was provided to airmen and families for emergencies ranging from rent assistance to natural disaster relief. Whether you want to donate right now or you want to donate over time, the Air Force Aid Society has a way for you to give back and help airmen. They want you to know that each and every gift helps our airmen tremendously. And that's why the Airmen Helping Airmen philosophy lives on today. To get started, let's listen into a story of somebody who not only received Air Force aid, but also continuously gives back. Let's take a listen to former Ambassador Leslie Rowe. My name is Leslie Rowe, and I'm a retired American ambassador with the U.S. Foreign Service. But I guess the first title I held was uh, Air Force Brat. Um, I spent about 31 years in the U.S. Foreign Service, and I served in uh, seven different countries. When I went back to the department, they asked me to do one more job, so I was the ambassador for global health diplomacy. My dad joined the Army like all the young men of his generation during World War II, and then became part of the Army Air Corps. So after World War II, he decided to make the Air Force his career, and he served for about 24 years in, uh, in the Air Force. Uh, we lived, we were, uh, when I, I grew up, spent a, a number of years at Fairchild Air Force Base in just outside of Spokane, Washington. My dad uh, had a heart attack and uh, had to retire. And uh, he, he had served 24 years in, in the Air Force, but he wanted to serve a few more. So it was a little earlier than he really had planned. Um, and, but unfortunately, we, 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 uh, he had to retire. So we went to Washington State. This is my senior year of college, which as you know, is not a great time to, to transfer, but it happens to a lot of Air Force kids. And, um, you know, it was a really tough year. I mean, we had made this transition to, to uh, Spokane. I was very unhappy about having to go my senior year because, um, of course, I'd made a lot of friends uh, in New Jersey. And um, 
but we moved and I began applying for colleges. But frankly, it was, it was the first year that my dad was not working and uh, finances were quite tight. So um, when I was applying to colleges, I, my parents had set up a, a college fund, but it wasn't gonna cover all my expenses for four years of college. And that's when I heard about the Air Force Aid Society. They heard about the uh, scholarship, uh, the General Hap Arnold Scholarship. So I applied uh, and was accepted at the University of Washington and Washington State University. I got the scholarship and loan, which was really great uh, because if I hadn't gotten that assistance, I probably would have stayed locally in Spokane. But because I had that that extra funding, I was able to, to go to Washington State University. Um, that, you know, that really made it possible uh, for me to, to go to Paris because having that financial cushion, uh, you know, I could look for other opportunities and my parents didn't have to incur those expenses either. They made it very easy for me to uh, pay the loan back. I, you know, I, I really feel sorry for some of the students today who have these huge college debts and have a hard time, you know, paying it back. But I just made a very small payment every month, actually. And, you know, within a couple of years, I had paid the loan off. You know, it, maybe it's part of living uh, abroad for a number of years and moving. Um, but after I had my, my first job teaching for several years, I kind of wanted a new, new stimulus. I went to graduate school. I ended up getting a job as the director of the international office at Tufts University in Boston. But, you know, I still wanted to live abroad again. I mean, it was something that had gotten into my system, you know, growing up in the military. One of my professors, actually, I, I did another master's degree at Fletcher, the Fletcher School of Law and Diplomacy. And he was a, an ambassador. He was doing one of these diplomat in residence years at, uh, at Fletcher. And he said, you'd be great in the foreign service. And uh, he really encouraged me to apply. From there, after I passed the, the Foreign Service exam, I went in as an entry-level officer. You don't start out as an ambassador. You got to work your way up, you know, as you start out in any career. But I had to work my way up. When my first uh, post, I was what was called a consul. And uh, eventually, along the way, I became a consul general in uh, Portugal and in uh, Bangkok. After I'd been consul general in Thailand, I uh, became the deputy chief of mission, which is the number two in the embassy, deputy to the ambassador. And I was in uh, Nairobi, Kenya for three years. I'd gotten into the senior foreign service at that point, and um, I was put on the list to be an ambassador in Africa. It brought back my memories of growing up as an Air Force child, living all over the world and in developing countries. And then what is it like after the fact now that you're a donor? So there's three things, I apologize. Well, um, yeah, you know, it's interesting. When you, you live all over the world, uh, you kind of can lose, lose contact with what's going on in the United States. But when I moved back after my last uh, post as ambassador in, in Mozambique, um, somehow I, I started thinking, uh, you know, thinking back about, uh, you know, my, 
college days and the assistance I had. And I, and I wondered about the scholarship. I wondered if the General Hap Arnold scholarship still existed. So I, I looked it up on uh, the internet and it, it wasn't real clear, but then I, I sort of tracked it down and I realized it was part of the Air Force Aid Society. It was not just a scholarship organization. And I was, you know, when I, when I looked at the website, I thought I was really impressed because I saw that there was all kinds of assistance that was being given. It wasn't just scholarships for college students, you know, that I had benefited from. But, you know, uh, I think I saw one, one story about a family that had been affected by a hurricane and lost their home and the Air Force Aid Society had, had helped them out. And, um, and another one was uh, the spouse of an, air, of an airman who had gotten assistance to go back to, to college. And there were, there were just a lot of community uh, assistance as well. And I thought, wow, this, you know, maybe it's expanded a lot or maybe it existed and I just wasn't aware of it. But I thought, I need to support this organization. They, they supported me at a really crucial time in my life. And I, I might not have gone in the direction I did at all. I, I might not have had the same opportunities. So that's when I kind of searched it out, found it, uh, made my first donation. But after I had you know, searched the, the, the website, realized how much was going on and, and how much was being done by the Air Force Aid Society, I thought, I have to, I have to donate to this. And so that's when I, I, I made my first donation and then eventually became a, a monthly donor, sustaining, you know, donor, um, and uh, have been doing it ever since. Yeah, I, I made my first donation when I came back from Mozambique and I got back in 2012. So somewhere in there, 2013, 2012 is when I made my first donation. And um, you know, I've continued to make donations every year, sort of a sustaining member. I really wanted to, to let other people know, you know, how much the Air Force Aid Society meant to me and to encourage them to make the same kind of contributions. Even a, even a modest contribution uh, is important because, you know, we're part of an Air Force family. And I think the Air Force Aid Society is sort of a a model or a, a very good example of how um, how people in our country come together when there's a, a crisis to help each other out. So I hope other people um, will will reach out and uh, realize how much good the society does and help people in the Air Force family that are in need. But you know, I lived abroad, and uh, you get a little bit of out of touch of what's going on in in the U.S. Um, so when I became aware that it was still a going concern and doing great work, personally, I felt like I had to, had to uh, start giving back. The airmen that are listening to this podcast, I, I'd like to, to thank you all for your service. Let you know that I really appreciate the work that you are doing all over the world and it, it's been a privilege for me to work with you in a number of different countries. So, so thank you. I'd also like to, to encourage you all to contribute to the Air Force Aid Society, of course.
you know, I'm, I'm very grateful to, to the Air Force uh, for, you know, for my dad's career and for the opportunities that we all had. I know if, if he hadn't been in the Air Force and I hadn't had those kinds of experiences growing up, I would have probably gone a, a totally different a path. Uh, but the path I chose was the right one for me, and it was made possible uh, by, um, you know, growing up in the Air Force, but also by the benefits uh, afforded by the Air Force Aid Society and being uh, awarded the General Hap Arnold Scholarship. Other thing that impressed me that I liked about, you know, making a donation, that you could make the donation in the memory or in honor of someone. So in my case, uh, I made it in memory of my, my parents and also my sister who passed away a few years ago. And that was, that was really special for me to, to remember them. And I know they would like it. Our next donor is Ken Maylander. Ken has a great story of service as well as giving. I'm Ken Maylander and I'm a donor to the Air Force Aid Society. And it makes me feel good to be able to help the men and women who are serving for us. I'm a native Cincinnatian, lived here all my life, except for um, when I went away to college and went to Ohio State, have an undergraduate and an MBA degree there. I only had three jobs in my life. I served in the Air Force Reserves. I worked for Procter & Gamble and Brand Management, and I've been um, running a family-owned business here in Cincinnati uh, for since 1974. So that's a long time. And um, right now we've been extremely busy. We're distributors of, of critical products like sanitizers, cleaning products, um, uh, masks, gloves. And it's been a real challenge to obtain these products in this environment. So every day I come into the office and fight tooth, nail, claw, whatever, to get these products for our customers. So. It's an unusual environment, but that's that's what we're doing now. And I'm thankful that we can keep all our employees working and they're they're doing a great job. I'm really proud of my my company and everything we've been doing. We're doing all the things necessary, cleaning more, practicing social distance. But still, we have drivers that are out on the front line delivering. And it's a it's an interesting time for all of us. But, uh, you know, I'm been leading this company for almost 50 years and got a lot of great people working here and I'm really proud of them. So that's that's the gist of the company. I graduated from college in 1969. I enlisted in the Air Force and uh, actually I wanted to fly jets, but I didn't have perfect eyesight. I wanted to go to officer candidate school and fly jets, but I didn't have perfect eyesight. And i I thought, oh, well, we can we can somehow get an exception to this, but there were no exceptions to that. As a colonel told me, he says, they're hard enough to fly with perfect eyesight. So um, he said, we're going to find something else for you. He said, do you still want to go to uh, officer candidate school? And I couldn't see the purpose of it if I couldn't fly. So I ended up uh, going uh, to Lackland Air Force Base um, and then uh, got into administration and eventually Air Force Intelligence and uh, uh, really, uh, really found it interesting work. It was during Vietnam, I interfaced with the CIA some, and um, uh, I was passionate uh, about serving my country, but more so because during Vietnam, and this, 
this set the tone for why I'm so passionate about the Air Force and the military, because during Vietnam, the men and women weren't, who were serving weren't appreciated. Uh, it was a terrible time in our country. The war was tearing our country apart, but that always upset me or bothered me because I felt we need to honor the men and women that serve for us. Uh, you know, they don't choose the wars we go to. And um, that's, that, that's been my passion all along for, for letting the men and women know how much they mean to us and how much we appreciate them. The Air Force Aid Society is uh, the latest of my contributions financially and um, uh, actual working for various Air Force and military organizations. I've been involved in a mission at the University of Cincinnati Hospital called Sea Stars, which supports the mission in the Air Force of SeaCats, uh, which is critical care air transfer. And I've I worked for them for years at UC, supporting the men and women that do that job. In other words, if you're injured in country, wherever you are in the world, the Air Force has the mission of, of taking the critically wounded warriors out of the war zone. Most of them go to Ramstein in Germany. I worked with that organization for years, supporting them, giving them advice. And um, I was even given a special commendation award for the work I did for them. I went up in uh, the uh, transport planes to see them you know, how they do the triage. It's, it's really remarkable the work they do and that they keep over 95% of these critically injured warriors alive so they can get to a critical care hospital. So I did that for a while. And then um, the person who was head of that mission moved on. He was deployed to Afghanistan. And now he's at, he went into the army, transferred the Air Force Army's at Brook Medical Center in Texas. So that was my real connection. And I, I thought um, I wanted to look for another organization in the Air Force that I could provide some help and get some information. And so I could continue to let the men and women who serve for us know how much they mean to me and how much I care to support them. And that's, uh, so I found out about the Air Force Aid Society because it's the official charity of the Air Force. And I started uh, with going up to Wright-Patterson Air Force Base and seeing how they actually provide the services. And then I went up to Washington to meet with the corporate headquarters of AFAS. And I just, the more I see of AFAS, I see a lot of dedicated people um, really giving their best effort to help the men and women of the Air Force be as successful as they can possibly be. And to help relieve them of situations that come up that whether they're financial or or emotional, whatever they can do to help make their lives better. And I thought that's a great mission. I've really become passionate about it. And the people that I've talked to in Air Force Aid Society have been so accommodating and so appreciative that it's really made me even more uh, excited about helping this mission. When I went up to Wright-Patterson, I saw how the Air Force Aid Society helps the airmen and women and their families through any special needs they might have. If, if we don't help each other, who's going to help us? And I think if, if we're passionate about delivering services to our airmen and their families, then that's a great role model for other people to join us. If, if we show that we're concerned and we're leaders in this field, then we can help introduce other people who may not have been Air Force members, but are tangentially uh, involved with them through through selling to the Air Force, or they have friends that are 
Air Force members. So I think it's up to us to set the, the path to show that we care and we're passionate. And if we care and we're passionate, then that's a great role model to get other people involved who might not be service members at any time. But, um, you know, we need, we need to involve as many people as possible so we can deliver uh, best on our mission. Well, I would say as far as um, people working f with the Air Force Aid Society, generally I've always found in charity endeavors that I get more than I give, you know, that, that you feel like um, by helping other people, you're really helping yourself more. It's, it's kind of like the golden rule, you know, how would I want people to treat me if I were a service member? And if, if you follow that, then I think um, the organization will grow. And, and like I said, I'm interested in, in building the financial resources of the organization so we can actually deliver more benefits to the airmen and air, air women and their families. And um, this, takes some, this takes some effort, but, but I'm excited about that opportunity because uh, it's for a great cause and I want people to understand about the cause. And the more, the more we can do for the airmen and women, the better it is for the United States Air Force because of the positive interactions I've had with the men and women in the Air Force, including on a religious basis, it's just another reason why I wanna support these men and women and their families through the Air Force Aid Society. I've always found in charitable work, if you believe you have a great cause, then you, you wanna to try to convince other people that this is a great cause to support. Now let's hear from former Captain Paul Leteau. I'm Paul Leteau. Uh, service. I spent four years active duty in the Air Force, uh, 1964, September 1964 to September 1968. I uh, was a weather officer, spent one year at uh, Texas A&M University in the weather officer training program, and uh, three years at Suffolk County Air Force Base, an Air Defense Command base on West Hampton, Long Island. Subsequent to the Air Force, uh, I spent the rest of my career in financial services, um, and I, I credit the Air Force and my contacts there for introducing me to the market, stock market, uh, financial industry, and uh, getting me started in that respect. So since 1968, I've been uh, uh, actively engaged in the financial services industry. Currently, I'm, I, I would say I'm trying to retire, but... Uh, <laughs> at this point, uh, winding down, uh, but I've been a consultant. I still do consultancy. I've been an educator. I've taught graduate and undergraduate level finance courses. I've taught securities industry license preparation courses, and I've done a fair amount of international consulting. So my connection to the Air Force Aid Society really started about three or four years ago. I was looking uh, to uh, do some estate planning and uh, I wanted to identify uh, some organizations, charities, schools, other entities that had a significant uh, impact on my life. I started uh, doing charitable gift annuities, uh, started with colleges where I'd gotten my degrees, uh, worked with various other charitable organizations that I had uh, had relationships with that I knew were doing good work. And I wanted to include the service. I wanted to include my military service uh, in that. I found the Air Force Aid Society. Uh, they were well-rated. 
I wanted to make sure everybody was at the top rating as far as GuideStar or the other charity rating organizations. And uh, I identified Air Force Aid Society as a target for one of my charitable gift annuities. At the time, uh, they didn't have that facility. They didn't have the uh, provision to allow for that. And I, I kept working with them. Uh, every year I'd ask them again. And then this last year, finally, they came around and said, yeah, we got it now. So with a charitable gift annuity, you make a lump sum, um, give the lump sum to the organization. You then get a cash flow uh, from that, uh, which is a derivative, which is derived from your life expectancy. And there's also an assumed residual that will then become uh, a donation at your death. That's what the intent is. Meanwhile, they've had use of the money. Uh, they can use that for their operations, for their for their causes. And uh, so it's, it's a win-win. I look at it as a very positive situation. I, I guess from the time I was a little kid, uh, I anticipated uh, military service. Uh, I, I was born in the early days of World War II. Uh, virtually everybody I knew, uh, families, and uh, had somebody that had served. Uh, my stepfather, I think I had written up, had been a, a bombardier trainee, uh, wasn't able to complete that because of an injury. Uh, and my uncle, for example, uh, was in the European theater with Patton's Third Army. Uh, so it was a, you know, kind of a heroic uh, atmosphere to grow up in uh, World War II. Our family had a victory garden, uh, the whole thing. Military service was part of the family culture. If you want to say legacy, that's certainly an appropriate word. And so growing up, as I said, I assumed that uh, I would be uh, serving. And did high school ROTC, did college ROTC, uh, was commissioned and then spent my four years of active duty. I always looked at it as paying my dues, uh, something that uh, you know, was expected I was going to do and you know, wanted to do looking to support, looking to provide for current members of the Air Force and their families that have particular needs. Well, the, uh, the mission of the Air Force Aid Society, which uh, is airmen helping airmen, uh, fits my intent uh, to provide for, to be there, to help the people uh, right now that are serving, they're volunteering to serve their country, and they deserve the help if they have need, if they and their family have particular needs. So it's important to me to make sure that they're being uh, given adequate provision. One continues to be an airman. You know, one doesn't, wasn't stop. Uh, so uh, it is airmen helping airmen, helping current airmen, helping future airmen. Those that are serving now, those that will be serving in the future are there for you. It's good to be there for them. I'd like to say thank you to former Ambassador Roe, Ken Malander, and Paul Lateau for taking the time to share their stories to potentially inspire others. What's great about this group of donors is they all have found different ways to give back to the Air Force Aid Society. What's your Airman Helping Airmen story? Do you have one? Well, I'd like to hear it. So whether it's on Facebook, Instagram, whatever social media, even through email, let me know what your Airman Helping Airmen story is. Till next time, remember, those who are serving now, those who are serving in the future, they are there for you. So let's be there for them.
Let's continue the legacy of airmen helping airmen. From those at the Air Force Aid Society, thank you and keep listening. Want to donate to the Air Force Aid Society? Whether you make an immediate impact gift today or plan to include Air Force Aid Society substantially in your future charitable roadmap, there are many ways to time your gift. I want you to know that each and every gift helps our airmen tremendously. First, visit airforceaidsociety.org and click on Donate. You can make a one-time gift or become a monthly donor and join the Society's Five Star Circle Club. If you're interested in paying your respects to someone dear, the Society also offers the option through tribute giving. You can make a gift in memory or in honor of someone special in your life or someone who inspires you. You could also help an Air Force family realize the dream of higher education by establishing a one-time named Arnold Education Grant or a one-time named Merit Scholarship. Or if you are interested in considering Air Force A Society as part of your family's estate planning, you can make a planned gift. With your planned gift, you'll become a member of the HAP and B. Arnold Legacy Society. You can contact Air Force A Society directly they will help you tailor your charitable gift to meet your financial tax or estate planning objectives. To get started, visit AFAS.org. Explore the ways in which you can make a gift and pay it forward for so many Air Force families. Interested in running your own campaign to raise funds for Air Force Aid Society today? Email the Air Force Aid Society at fundraising at AFAS-HQ.org to discuss setting one up. At fundraising at afas-hq.org. All proceeds will go directly to Air Force families.